Hello, welcome to How to Be Unpopular podcast number, not sure. Again, this is the How to Be Unpopular podcast, not the Mushroom Blading podcast. That's okay though. You don't have to call it the correct name. We won't judge you here at the How to Be Unpopular podcast. So I had a bunch of shit written down. And I haven't recorded anything solo podcast-wise because this has been the longest winter in many, many years in Kamloops. Previously, we did the HTBU series, which stands for How to Be Unpopular, um, the video series, like the little edit series. And then before that, we did wizard frame testing, and then I think... The year before that, we may have done some edits over winter. The point is, the previous winters, before this one, I was able to skate way more. Um, there's like, there's a couple dry spots. There's this uh, place we called Cottonwood that's now known as, excuse me, Kamloops Christian School. Um, and I, I've film little phone edits and things once in a while there it's it's not like um it's not a very fun well it's all fun if it's dry but it's not a it's not the same as like it's right by the new skate park and um yeah you've seen that skate park when that thing's dry it's very easy to get a good skating experience whereas a, a place like cottonwood it's more difficult to uh we have, it's more difficult to squeeze, to, to find that, um, the flow that you can get in at the new park. Uh, so we have Cottonwood and then there's a parkade at Superstore that obviously we've done quite a few edits in as well. Yeah, previous winters it'll be like a snowfall and then it'll melt and then there'll be plenty of time to skate and then maybe another snowfall a little bit. Some winters it's just been like two or three giant snowfalls. This one, um, on we went to go film um, an edit for that the undercover wheel, the green one, the hundred millimeter one. We went to go film an edit for that, and I don't know if there's like a curse when um, you sell your soul, you like you you let somebody put your logo or, or name on a on a product and then there's just a mild curse that like there's been people who have gotten injured or or just kind of like fallen away or faded away as soon as they get their like their name on a skate or some kind of a like a quote-unquote pro product so we went to go film uh an edit at the at the skate park for the undercover wheel and it was like the middle of november um we both had hot trick lists the trick lists were stacked um i was feeling really good going into it um because yeah november's november's like you've been skating in good weather so uh, um, april may june july august september october like october in canada for me is like your skills are super sharp you've been skating a lot you have that like your your body and all your muscle memory for skating is is 
not perfect, but it's feeling really good. So we went to go film this edit. Todd and I, he had been skating exclusively for on small wheels and aggressives for the whole filming time. He may have done a couple big wheel things here and there, but he wanted to focus just on small wheels and and didn't want to switch back and forth too much, whereas I'm I switch back and forth a lot. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think Todd's on to something where it's just focus on one setup for an extended period of time. So he, uh, I think because his son was born, like it was the last session filming for uh, Suck It, what did we call it? Suck It Small Wheels? I think, yeah, Suck It Small Wheels as soon as we finished filming for his section for that, um, his son was born. So obviously busy with, with two kids. So I can't remember if he had skated much in the month or two leading up to um, filming that UC edit. UC undercover. Sounds weird. It sounds pluggy. I don't... Yeah like um, hashtags and adding and all that stuff feels kind of weird. I do it once in a while, but not all the time. To human is to sell, but delicious peppermint tea. But um, it's important to keep it real at the same time. So we go to film this edit. We were warming up. Things were looking really good. And then Todd uh, hit the, we call it the long box. It's the, it's the big like tabletop with a long ledge at the very end of the park. But just as he was coming out of, um, he'll probably tell the story better, but just as he was coming out of launching it, I think he was gonna launch it and then do a five out of the bank. He's done many lines on it in videos where in like Big Wheels 2, he did a three and then there was three cones on the ground and then he fives out of the bank. He's, it's kind of his kitchen, that area. And he probably had some really good stuff written down for that area, but he, he like caught his toe in a weird way on like the very back of his skate. It's arguable that, um, cause he hadn't been skating the Wizard 100s, that his foot positioning may have been more small wheelish the way his foot was crossing behind because people have been known to trip up on crossovers when they try the hundreds or the one tens um but that could maybe it couldn't have been it at all but anyways he slammed into the bank and you know you get that worried feeling as the friend is like because he went down and he had this like weird like the look on his face i knew that he knew that something was injured and yeah you always worry as the friend is like because it happened so quickly you're not sure if anything's broken or how bad it is and he just kind of stayed he grabbed his knee and he kind of had this smile but at the same time yeah that face where so many probably emotions are, are going through his head and uh he lied down for a while tried to stand up on it and it was just like kind of shaky and um yeah that was it we didn't uh surprisingly he like neither of us were too uh 
upset. We knew that the edit was going to be really good, but it didn't really throw anything off really in, in some strange way. I'm almost happy that we didn't make an edit, like a specific undercover edit for that wheel. Cause I don't know if it would have, I don't know if it would have fit. It kind of would have felt weird. Um, so there'll still be like edits where the wheels will be used, but it won't be like an official undercover wheel edit, which I think is more fitting. Like why don't just, instead of a edit for a product, just use the product and make whatever you want is kind of how it's going to go. So I, yeah, I don't know if there's a curse cause not even 24 hours later, I went skating the next day. It was like one of the last little edits that I made uh, before it snowed. And I went to the old skate park and just filmed some things on the K2, the R100 with the unnatural boot and the mushroom blading wheels. I just filmed a couple little things on my phone, uploaded that. And then this wasn't even 24 hours after Todd injured his knee. I was trying to do the stupidest step up gap. Um, uh, there's a ledge that I always like that I med spin off of and Todd grinds the side of it. There was a board up against it and I tried to gap all the way like over the flat and the up towards where I do the fence bash. I tried to just like skate full speed. It was probably windy or something. Um, and I just didn't have enough speed and I landed with one of my legs on a up ledge, like go on an upward bank. Like when people call like you cased it, like case the landing, I cased it on like an upward bank. And um, all you gotta do sometimes is just tuck your legs up more in the air and you'll have more time. Um, speed is really good. But if you're tucked, the position that you're in, like a really good tuck and hold the tuck for longer, I just kind of doubted myself because it's not really the style of skating I normally do. I guess I was just, uh, I get really excited because maybe, you know, it's your one time to skate in a week or, or you only get two times to skate, especially in the winter. There's very little light um, before and after work. So there's just really tiny windows where you can skate. So I maybe got a little too frisky. Maybe I was too caffeinated. Maybe the triple espresso should have been a double or um, I don't know what I had consumed before that session. But I knew right away when my, when my leg hit the upward of the bank, I like went to put weight on it and um, it didn't buckle, but I couldn't, uh, like the idea of one foot rolling on that leg was kind of impossible. And I thought that there's a, every once in a while, there's just like a little weird thing that you'll do with your knee and then you kind of get less sharp pain, at least I do. And uh, then it goes away. But this one, I, I was super worried that I did something weird and I couldn't like bend it to a certain point, like um, lift it up. So again, I don't know if there's a curse, um, but as soon as the mushroom blading logo got put on a product, 
uh, Blade God gave Todd a knee injury, and then he gave me a knee injury. At least that's the story that I'm telling myself. Um, so just be careful out there with the choices that you make. But the thing is, um, undercover wheels, yeah, I was skating hydrogen and, and undercover wheels were some of my favorite um, big wheels. And hydrogen technically are exact, like the first, the new hydrogen with the different cores, they're a little bit easier to flex and, and mash, but the, the cores before it that were the Deca power core or something they're called, it's exactly the same core as under, Undercover uses. So basically, these wheels are almost exactly the same as hydrogens. These ones are better for some weird reason. I don't know if the color, um, I don't know if the color makes a difference. Cause Colin, he, Colin does like a lot of really, really crazy stuff where he like torques the wheels to the side a lot, like on his skate moves. And he's, he's a big, tall dude. So he really leans into the wheels and he's, he's cracked cores on, um, on undercovers, I think the red ones and on hydrogen wheels. And for some reason, these wheels, the green ones with the black cores have been the strongest of the bunch. I don't know. I don't know what that is, but they turned out really good. They're, um, they're 85A like hydrogens. Um, what was it? They say 88 on the wheel or I can't remember. There was some mix ups with what it says in the advertising and possibly even on the wheel, but they're, they're 85. I can't remember. I need to go grab one and, and look at it. But yeah, the reason, the reason the mushroom blading logo went on them was the wheels are, are really good. Like undercover wheels are good. So, um, and our Canadian mates, Dustin and Richie are on that team. We talked to them. They vouched for, uh, undercover. And then the ego wants to check that one off the list. It feels good. Um, and it was, I think the, one of the coolest things about that wheel and Dustin's 110 is um, there, the idea of there being like a hundred millimeter wheel that's not just like a generic company wheel or like a matter wheel or an undercover wheel with no name on it. Like I don't think a speed skater ever got his name on a wheel or a slalom skater or or like a, a freestyle skater or anything like that. So it's cool that it legitimizes the that big wheels that exploring that style of skating and it and and things like like the R one hundred that K two made and undercover making this mushroom blading wheel and giving Dustin a, a 110 and a small, it's cool because it, it gives skating more variety. Um, and it helps push it in different ways. Not that you have to skate this way or on these things, but 
it just opens it up into new places. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, we, we didn't end up filming an edit because it snowed. Not only did we both get, got, get knee injuries, Todd's was a bit worse than mine. He was out for, I think, two or three months. It's, it's feeling good now. Um, he went out skating the other day briefly. Um, mine's feeling good. But yeah, not only were we out, it snowed after getting injured and then it just kept snowing and um we're at we're at like march what is it march 6th and there's been like two times where it kind of dried up but not really like there's still ice patches and stuff in the park and like the soul grind edit that i filmed the other day it snowed right after that um there was an australian guy in town chris and there was snow piles it snowed but with some dry patches skated a little bit and it snowed the day after so it's been pretty consistent snowing and mentally the the like being mildly injured and then it's snowing at least for me i'm sent into this mental uh this mental whirlwind thinking about skating and setups and video projects and my age and my goals and my life and and you just think a lot about skating on a loop and it's bad and it's really good at the same time and you might be asking well don't you ski Shouldn't you be excited about the snow? I'm still at the exact same conclusion um, about skiing that I've made previous years. So this is my third year um, getting back into skiing. And um, I think I'm going to be, I'm giving it like a few more years to see if I catch like the bug. I'm just not a hard, I'm a, I'm a hobby skier and I'm a, a person who's really, really into skating that skis. I'm not, I don't identify, well, I can't identify as a skier, but I am somebody who skis and who owns skis. But the, right now, the equipment is like the bike or the ice skates where um, I go through periodic uh, times that, that I, periodic times, does that work? I go through small periods of time where I will use certain pieces of equipment, but I won't be full on into them because skates are kind of my main thing. Even in the winter, I'm, I find a, a covered spot and I, and I skate. And one thing that's really great about skates is they're free. Um, and one thing I've thought about with skiing, here, I'll tell you again what I don't like about skiing um, so far. And this is just still stuff that I have to like come to, come to terms with and I'm giving it more time, like I said, to get into it. I don't like driving to the hill. I don't like that I can only do it um, on weekends because there's other shit that you have to do like around the house or life stuff or 
and a pass is really expensive. I, uh, the idea of getting a pass is awesome when you have the money because you can go up there for an hour or two and come back and not feel guilty. Whereas if I buy a lift ticket, I have, I feel like I have to use the whole thing. And, um, yeah, I don't like driving to the hill. I don't like having to remember all the gear. I don't like, um, buying the lift ticket, how much the lift ticket costs. I don't like waiting in a lineup. I don't like riding the chairlift. Um, I don't like the weather variables and the snow variables. Um, there's a lot, <laughs> there's like, there's a lot of things that come into play to make a good skiing day. And it's weird. I'm overly judgmental of skiing because skating is a, you just, it's free and there's so many places you can do it. Um, and I think it would be cool. There's a, there's a longboard park, like these two windy paths right by my house. And if just beside that, they put in some like, um, it, in the, in the summer, it would just look like a mountain bike park or something like that. But if they put features on a slope, like a few rails and a few little jumps and things, and it would just be a hill that you hike that you don't have to pay like a skate park that you just like a sledding hill for adults. And I kind of live like higher up. Um, not in the mountains, but higher up in camp. So we get more snow here. So like a public place, like a, like a skate park for the winter for snowboarding and skiing where I don't have to pay. I don't have to drive very far. Um, I could access it at different times. Um, cause I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm turning 35. I'm not going to be like building snow ramps up to rails and hitting street spots at least it's not in the plan yet maybe i'm just gonna get the ski bug super hard when i'm like 36 or 37 i'm 34 now and uh i just want like yeah i i think i need to like build a little secret spot or something just with some rails and little ramps and stuff i think that kind of skiing i would really enjoy and then yeah i, I will go skiing anywhere from two to five times a year as a non-pass holder to a mountain. And it's really fun. I still can't get my boots dialed in, man. I gotta go to a boot fitter. But yeah, my, um, my experience of skiing so far is I haven't been like hit with the bug and there's more, um, it's a lot of work to get into it. Um, people would say the same about skating. So, but I, yeah, I'm just, I'm a hobby skier for now. Um, there's so many, there's so many products that I have right now that I ordered and, and, um, just not enough time or dry space to skate them. Even this weekend, I got those, um, I ordered some REMS from Intuition I was trying to look for like some used Nils size nine. I always keep a pair of REMS <coughs> in my garage and I have a whole bunch of the old style sole plates, the like, um, the three piece, I guess they're called. Um, the very like first generation REMS plates. Cause that's, I, I like that setup still. It's not the true balance boot, but um, I just, I grew, I kind of grew up 
skating that setup for many many years so i just keep one of those but i wanted to try the newest boot and um surprisingly i think north america skaters might be under the assumption that those skates don't sell very well but um i don't know what that is uh, like um i don't know if i'm telling myself that story or if that is actually a thing because it, it's like a we don't see people skating rims but we kind of have the little bubble or online community where there's a whole bunch of people we don't know from other countries and all over parts of the world that where i think that skate sold a lot better than we all imagine or whatever story we tell ourselves because it was hard to find i was obviously late trying to get some but it was hard to find them so i found um a pair of size eights from intuition um with rims the eight and the nine are the same shell so i've been able to just use a nine liner in it um although i think there's like glue or something in them now to like push the like there seems like there's a little bit less space in the toes anyways um geez how did i get off on that tangent i think um oh i was gonna say yeah the the skate park was almost dry this weekend when i filmed that rems edit but if you can see there's there was ice on some of the ledges and rails and things so when you watch that anything with ice or water that was first try in skates that weren't broken in and it was cold out um i had done a yoga class the night before and i was imagining like at the part where you like lie on the floor at the end of class the like meditation part i was imagining myself doing all of the soul grinds and gosh darn it the visualization worked it worked um I skated pretty good for an aging uh, man who hasn't been skating much in skates that weren't broken in at all in a skate park with like icy puddles. Some of the, when I did the like rainbow rail um, and some of the down ledges, there was just puddles that were ice that I had to like, you can see um, on the rainbow rail, I had to like jump off of it really weird. I had to dodge ice puddles so it's just going to make my experience that much sweeter when the park is completely dry because there was some treacherous territory there so i have things like these these rims which um the edit that was kind of a, a goal i was like walking home one time and i had this weird little thought popped into my head 52 soul grinds and uh I thought that was a really funny idea to, to do 52 soul grinds. I didn't think of the logistics of it because I only had two hours or two and a half hours on Saturday morning to film it. And the park was uh, pretty icy and, and it was cold and my skates weren't broken in. And the idea of like tallying, it would have been really hard to keep track of like, how the hell would I know 52? Because if I was counting them, as I went, I felt like it would kind of wreck the flow of just, um, you know, take the camera, put it 
here. The, those edits are so fun to make because it's like, put the camera here, do a trick. Put the camera here, do a trick. It's like really fun to not overthink it and just kind of like feel it out and place the camera and do a trick. Place the camera, do a trick. Um, I love making edits in that way. I really like making zone for that reason too. You know, place the camera, frame a shot and do the trick within it. But it's, there's not, it, it's pretty loose still. So if I was counting while I was doing the tricks, it would have kind of held it back in some way. So I wasn't counting. The goal was 52. And then I realized kind of like as I got to out like an hour and a half into it, I was maybe only at, I don't know, 20 or something like that. Because there was a couple of those ones that took, there were some that were first try and they were really easy. There were some that I got, you know, first try, but they were a little sloppy. So I went back into this. And then there were some like the little curb one, the, the, the like, um, things that people slap you off of that, that like angled parking block. That one surprisingly was really hard because to lock the sole on the angle and to not have your front wheels stick. Cause I didn't use wax on everything either. Either. Um, I used waxed a little bit. And then the hardest one was like that longer down ledge because there was the ice patch at the bottom. So I kept, I've seen on, on the Thrasher Hall of Meat account, things that can happen in ice puddles for landings and you just don't, you don't want to play with that. Um, so anyways, that's a big, uh, side trail. What the note that I have down here is that there's just a lot of products that I have and a lot, not a lot of dry space. And then it snowed again the day after I filmed the 34 soul grinds. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I wasn't counting the soul grinds. Um, and then I counted them. Like I got home, did the edit. Um, I had to hype myself up to do the 12 stair, but I was warmed up. I knew I could do it. It's just one of those things that I'm not a rail skater. I know I can do it. And it feels good when I accomplish it, but you really have to like get warmed up when it's cold out and you haven't been skating in a while, but it felt good. 12 stair felt good. Might have to hit that more. So I got home and then started editing it. And then I counted as the edit was finishing and I was like, holy shit. I did my age in soul grinds just by accident. I did 34 soul grinds. I think it would have been cool, uh, you know, 35 or the Jesus year, which I think is 33. But I, I think that's really interesting that I did 34. I don't know what the chances are of that happening, but um, I was very happy because that was a way better idea than 52. 52 would have been funny because uh, I would have done some like purposely bad ones or I would have had to come up with really creative ways. I didn't want to repeat any objects. So it was a good way to skate different objects at the park. Um, <laughs> 52. So I'll have to think of that. What objects I would have hit. Um, so 34. I would have had to do 18 more soul grinds. There's easily. that. That's why that park is so sweet. There's easily 18 more soul grinds to be done on 18 untouched areas of that park. Cow's Park is so good. It's getting a little weathered in some spots. 
but I love living here because of that park. Um, so yeah, I have the wish frames, mega frames. I still have symmetrics, which I haven't skated. Every time I put them on, they feel really slow when I'm rolling around. I don't know what that is, but they just feel like they roll slower. Um, but yeah, I still have a set of those. I have the new 258 and the 298 millimeter frames, like the new K2 stock frames. So the ones that come on the size 10 and up and the ones both with the shallower groove, the, the shorter ones that come on size nine and under. And I've skated both of them a little bit, but it's still like the cottonwood spot, the street spot, There's the ledges aren't really grindable and the superstore curb is really rough so you almost want a pair of frames that you're not going to wear through like um you don't want to like grind the sidewalls of like the megas especially in the k2 frames you don't want to grind those sidewalls down so fast that you're on metal you kind of want those for the park, at least I do. Whereas like the Volo frame and the Symmetrics frame, you might you can use the K2 frames for like a chunked uh, parkade ledge, but this ledge is like, this is chunked. This is, it's like our, if you're indoor skate park, you are sharing the one curb with many, many, many skateboarders. This thing is, is this is a frame eater in a big way so i put the symmetrics on for it but i still they just felt slow rolling around if anybody has any fixes for that i know that the michael dude uh showed me a fix where you like try and snap in the wheels on the spacers but didn't seem to work anyways and i also got a pair of um v13s to play a pair of like use shout out to Adonis uh, from NYC for sending those to me. I'm very curious to do, my idea is to like do a few themed edits with different skates, um, but that'll be over the year. Anyways, I have V13s and I have the, the newer on naturals as well i have all the stuff i want to skate but um there's only so much time that that i can skate right now in the winter so it's driving me nuts i will do reviews and nerdy information stuff about all this but um yeah currently what, what am i gonna do it's snowed again i gotta wait the wish frames look very interesting. I only have them, I was like uh, on my front step, grinding wheel wells into my seba plates and my wife was like, what are you doing out there? Think of how confusing that is uh, to a girl that you're uh, like, you have a piece of plastic and you're in, the, on, in front of your house, like grinding plastic out of a thing that piece of hardware that doesn't make any sense to them and you're trying to like wear it down 
so you can f- like try and think of explaining that. I'm, Bib, I'm putting wheel wells in my soles so I can fit 72 and 68s on these frames that have to be high-low because it, there's no updated UFS, so the workaround for UFS is that there's two different size wheels so the 60s don't rub on the bolts, and not all sole plates have wheel wells and they don't accommodate 68 72s, so I have to grind down these soles so it can fit. You know, some modificate some uh, some modifications are required. Modification may be required. Anyways, I'm gonna be skating. I got I got those from Leon, um, and he has a set as well. They're tester ones. Um, I'm gonna skate them. 68 with 60 in the middle. 68s on the outside. 60s in the middle. I put a request in with undercover to make a 64 millimeter wheel or a 65 millimeter wheel hopefully they do because um, with the mega i believe see i haven't tried it i really want to try it that's another thing i have i have 65 millimeter wheels and some megas and um i gotta wait i gotta wait until the weather's better and there's more light but yeah, they, I hope Undercover makes something in, they make 68s and 60s. They just need something in the in-between range. And then they have a lot going on. They also need to make fatter 100s, but that's a whole other thing where you got to get a new mold. Um, I think that's a big, uh, a big thing for the style of skating that I want to do on 100s is I want a more stable landing. The speed wheels are awesome, but I want to try the undercover urethane on fatter tires. Scooter riders have it figured out. Like they have that super wide profile for stability and tricks. I just, I would love to see that. Anyways, I digress. Again, so I had a lot of time. Oh, one more point on rims. Um, my toenails are like, I remember these skates and my ankle muscles the next day were like, I remember these skates. Um, the toenails were kind of in a bad way. They're the, um, where the front part of the shell is stitched onto the skin. It like presses down on top of my toe because the, the tongue there's like a tongue and then the stitching for the shell it presses down on top of my big toenail and I have this like perfectly shaped um, bruise in the middle of my toenail from this part pressing down. I hope it packs out a little bit, but it's, it's weird every once in a while, um, depending on the material that they use for the skin and the tongue of the rims, you get like some weird pressure points right at that part where the shell meets the, the skin and the tongue. So hopefully it packs out. But the ankle muscles thing was actually a really good thing. Um, yeah, they were, my ankle muscles were sore, but in a, in a really good way of, um, it's hard to explain that cuffless skating rims cuffless is not for everybody in fact it's not even for 
a small percentage. It's probably for a below micro percentage of the skating uh, world. But it's the closest you can get to like that. Um, it's the closest I can get to that original remedies feel. And it's not exactly the same because the, yeah, the skate's a little bit bulkier. It's got bigger sole plates and everything, but I, I did like the way the, um, the ankle mobility, it felt really weird at first. And I was on shorter frames too, because I was, um, this part's hard to explain with, with a skate where you have a ton of ankle mobility, um, how do I explain this? You're like controlling the skate through, through this, ah, shit. I almost have to like draw a diagram. It's like you're controlling the skate through the footbed and not with the cuff and the upper part of the skate. You're like, you're riding. <laughs> I'm just gonna skip that. But I prefer short frames that are flat when I'm, when I'm in cuffless rims. Um, I will try and figure out the scientific reasoning for that, but that's just the feel. Like I would never, I, I like a stiffer, higher boot when I skate longer frames. And if I skate a shorter frame on a stiffer, higher boot, I would almost have to skate it looser at the top. So it feels like I'm controlling it with my foot and not through the ankle and the forward flex. I don't think that makes any sense. I'm just going to skip that part. I need to have like a little board where I, where I draw on stuff. Deep breath. But I really like the feel of the rims. Um, I've, I always go back to them in three or four or five year cycles. They're definitely a skate that I've spent the most time on in my skating life, cuffless rims. I've skated them with cuffs a couple times, but I always go back to cuffless. And it feels like a nice home. Um, but like I said, I... I switch back and forth between skates. So for grinder blades, I'll be in all kinds of different stuff. I feel less of a, I really liked skating the K2s when Rachel was the engineer, but now that she's no longer the engineer, I will skate the K2s, but I'm, I, it, oh, it was so awesome when Rachel was the engineer. So I, I wanted to skate K2s because she was the person behind them, you know? You know, like, those, those personal relationships are important when you skate something. Um, like, I was, like, I bought REMS because I was watching those Kato, um, Kato and Respect I posted that amazing, like, it was like a, it was a high topsail, like really high up of flat bar and um, just amazing style, timeless style. And he did the five where he poked his toes out. And 
there's, you know, people like Rachel, Rachel and Kato and Leon. And there's people who you, you want to skate their shit, whether they, whether they skate or not. Rachel didn't skate, but she made a bunch of really cool stuff and brought K2 to a new level. So I was very happy to skate on that stuff. And it's cool to know that that stuff's coming out all this year. I'll be skating on that stuff, definitely. I'll be skating on everything. Don't limit yourself. I haven't been. But then also Todd's onto some shit where he just like skates one specific thing for a longer period of time. It's pretty smart. It's how I used to be. And now there's so many options. It's so fun to play around on different stuff. But I bought those rims solely because of that <laughs> of seeing that Kato footage um in respect and then it was it was a mix of that and then I watched um my old Parkillas section I was like oh yeah um I was skating low cut speed skates and those skates together for like a whole year or two and my ankles got really strong in a good way so I hope to do that again too. I hope to get like really strong ankles because uh, yeah, skating is really fun if you have like strong ass ankle muscles. Um, I've had a lot of time over winter to think about um, skating and technology and what projects to do next and I've said it before the original goal with mushroom blading was that was just it was just a name for a video series and we were going to make 10 of them my goal was to make 10 mushroom blading videos this was like even the the first one it was like DVDs were still a thing who could have predicted like when we came up with the idea to make a video series called mushroom blading like YouTube happened, Vimeo happened, and then later Instagram video happened and podcast happened. So much happened <laughs> since the first mushroom blading DVD. The original thing was going to be like, you know, you have a DVD, uh, like you have, you have all of them, like on a shelf, there would be 10 of them and they would all have different colored spines, but the, you know, the text on, on, they would all work together as like a like a thing that sits on your shelf, the ten volumes, and and then yeah, there would be ten by the time I was thirty-five. I'm thirty-four now. I've I've said this before, but I always say I've said this before. Yeah, the goal was achieved. Um so mushroom blading one. Mushroom blading two, mushroom blading three and four, mushroom blading five, which is the first prove yourself. Mushroom blading six, wacky mode, which is in two parts. And that was like the, the most experimental it got, which led into um, big wheels, which is technically mushroom blading seven. And then there's prove yourself two, which is technically mushroom blading eight. And then there's big wheels two, 
which is mushroom blading nine. Did I miss one? Big Wheels two is mushroom blading nine. Then there's prove yourself three and zone, which is technically like our zone and prove yourself three, which is kind of like the end of the whole series. And then between all those, there's kind of like the EPs, like when, when bands put out like an EP, that's not a full length. There's, um, suck it aggressive, suck it big wheels and suck it small wheels are like, those would all be part of that thing. So it's like the whole thing is complete. The original idea with the first mushroom blading was it would have been super sad to make, to try and like follow up Cirque du Soleil and better than baseball. Like you're, if you're a 26 year old man and you're making these videos that are just trying to like rehash stuff that you had done before, it, it wouldn't work. Like life was different at that time for me. Like I wanted to go to film school and I wanted to live in Vancouver and I wanted the videos to reflect like a, a growing up. Um, the videos are always like growing out and up, growing up through the videos or growing out of the videos through the videos. Whereas if you just try and make, it would have just been bad if it was like, tried to make videos that were like better than baseball and Cirque du Soleil and like this, I'm a 30 year old dude make like, Oh, look, I'm making a, I'm doing something wacky. And then here's some tricks like that idea of, um, turning into an adult or attempting to turn into an adult, but still making videos. I don't know. That's kind of where the mushroom blading video idea came from. But all that's done. Like I'm, I'm totally happy and content with all of that stuff. So, especially in the winter, I start to drive myself crazy, and Todd and Leon and whoever, um, probably Colin, maybe Stuart, if he's in on the group text. I I drive people crazy because I have a lot of time to think. So I might. I'll send texts about ideas and videos and, and then I always think like, aren't I done with the idea of like a full length video? Because we might view full length videos romantically through our rose colored glasses where it's kind of like, there's no, there's no limit to how you put something out or what length it should be, or, I mean, you hear these, you hear, I listen to lots of um, ski, I listen to ski podcasts and skateboard podcasts. I try and like devour as much hashtag content from other activities as I can. I feel like you can learn a lot about yourself and your activity that you're into through a similar human movement device activity podcasts and media. And it's funny hearing the clash of, of old skateboarding media and new skateboarding media. There's people who are against Instagram and YouTube vloggers and they're just baffled 
that there's that revived brand in people like uh, John Hill, I think his name is, that are like, they're absolutely destroying like the top pros and the top like brands for sales and making money. And I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it. They're definitely like, it's the biggest disruption in that industry in a long time when there's like, um, I can't remember the story, but it was like the barracks or somebody had called a meeting and they were like, they didn't even know about that, um, uh, that revive brand or whatever. People were just like dumbfounded. Like this guy is the biggest board brand in skateboarding and he did it through a YouTube channel. Like it's absolutely insane to think of like even just VG 20 when it was on VHS, there's, there's VG 20 VHS. And then around the same time, you know, there was words and both of them, like they, they had a VHS and a DVD and then the DVD thing didn't even last for that long. Um, and then Blu-ray, there's like some physical copies of skate videos on Blu-ray, but then like YouTube and Vimeo and Instagram video and Vine, which is dead now, but, um, you can't, we're still like wrapping our heads around how much these things have changed the way we consume the sport and who like in skateboarding, that idea of that there's vloggers and YouTube channels and people that get discovered on Instagram and the old way of thinking is that it's bad. I don't know if it's bad or good. It's just different. And I don't know if we look at full length videos. Yeah. Through rose colored glasses or like the idea of filming a section for two years or whatever to put out online. I think what it comes down to is like, um, if you like the process, the process is important. If you're enjoying the process of what you're making, um, and you get a lot out of that, then that's the most important thing. If you're, if you're making a, if you're like working for two years or five years on a video or something and you think people are going to treat it any differently than something that took like, I don't know, two weeks or people are just devouring hashtag content um, so fast that it just comes down to like how you want to experience it. Try and try and give the content some respect when you, uh, if somebody does work that long on it, but it's just kind of like, it's, it's madness. Um, that I, I had that joke. Um, like if you work really, really hard on something, you'll make something that people remember for five minutes is kind of where things seem to be at. I get the Vans video. They filmed it for five years. They filmed a video for five years, five years. Your DNA as a human, they say changes in seven years that you're not even the same person you were seven years ago. Your actual physical body is different. And they filmed a video for five years. Prove yourself three was filmed in 48 hours because that's all the time we had 
like we had a little bit of time off work and we set this time and I edited it in maybe a couple weeks. Um, I had to wait for the, that super eight to get developed, but like by necessity, I've had to learn to like do a lot with really short amounts of time. And there's people who have the money and the time to work on something for five years. I guess, yeah, in spare time, you could work on something for five years. But at that point, like you'd be, you're, I don't know, that would just be insane. That would drive me insane. I, I like the idea of um, people putting out stuff on YouTube and Instagram. And I love that. But holy <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that I have that question now. It's it's more than ever. Do I even need to make any more quote-unquote full-length videos? Or like, do you need to work on sections? And I'm not actually sure. Um, no barking, by the way. Dog. I'm not sure. I think the process of working on a full-length video which full length now is like what 15 minutes 20 minutes 25 you're pushing it it better be goddamn good if, if you're like getting into the 30 and 40 it needs to be really really good which by the way Haitian Lost Tapes is a certified modern classic in my opinion and that's a long video it's really good I don't know how long they filmed that for, but I bet if you ask people, they're like the amount of people that watch that whole thing in one sitting, um, it'd be interesting. We should do some kind of survey. It's like, yeah, so uh, how many VODs, how many VODs did you buy this year? Okay. And on average, how long do you think you watch those VODs for? Or for a 30 minute VOD, would you say you would watch the whole thing? What length of VOD do you prefer? Uh, and how many times did you watch that VOD? Did you watch it two times, five times, or ten times? Anyways. Um, I buy every VOD that, that comes out. And um, I try and support and represent everything that comes out. Um, but I'm kind of with Frank that a lot of the times I watch, I watch things one time and move on and then I think it'll be like years down the road or, or months later that I, I'll return to things um, I can remember the last time I like watched something two times in a row I always watch things once and then I give it some time and then I watch it again or I might watch like a little piece of it that I really liked so yeah the way we consume content is so different too that um, I try and think of like, what do I want to make? And I thought about that a lot. And I kind of have, there's two things that I want to make now. There's one that I definitely want to make that I think we have, I think we have an idea that's solid, that something will be made and worked on this year. And then there's another thing, maybe a small wheels, project from Todd and I, but we'll see. I don't want to force anything. Just want to see where it goes. Um, I do like making single session 
edits too. It's a really fun way of making an edit because it's, it makes it different when you go out to film than if you were filming for like, oh, this is a bigger project and you have to try and get really good tricks, which I don't, I don't even know what that means, but I tell myself that in my head and it's detrimental to the whole process. Um, so there's one thing that I'm gonna make for sure that should be really good, but I, I'm trying not to force anything. Um, I wanna try and be relaxed because I have achieved the goal of 10 volumes of mushroom blading before 35, turn 35 in April. The goal is complete. Then I thought some big thing was gonna happen. It's like, okay, I'm gonna, I completed it. Skating's gonna evolve into something different. I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna make like some films or something. And then it's like, God damn it. I still have the urge to make skating stuff. So I, y'all have that, like, especially this winter, it's like, am I done with making skating videos? And then, it's like, I might be in this shit for life. I think, I think that, that no matter what, I will always be making some form of skating video. It's too interesting of a form. It's got human movement. It's creative. Um, you can do it on the streets or interesting like concrete park facilities that visually all these things are so cool. The adventure of it the freedom of it, the integration of music and sound. Um, there's just, it's too exciting still to me. Like the idea of making a movie or a film um, seems boring to me and limiting. Um, and then my first film idea has rollerblades in it anyway. So I guess I just, I haven't, uh, I haven't made that transition mentally. I thought it was going to be just a clear point where it's like, okay, I'm done with uh, skate videos. I don't think I have anything more I want to explore here. And then, no, it's still, it's still when you listen to music. When I listen to music, I see skating. I still think of spots or ideas or or just the idea of like ooh 52 soul grinds <laughs> you should do that 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 the idea pops up in my head and then I can't not do it I have to do it and it's really fun to do it's very pleasing and and like the no music edits are super fun too um so currently I'm still not done with this shit yet. I might be in this shit for life, but I'm not going to get a rollerblading tattoo. I'm sorry. Um, I have FOR4 and Delphon Dio written down, but I've only watched them once so I'm not gonna talk about them at all um, 
I just had them written down. I thought I was going to talk about them, but uh, you can't really until you watch them two or three times. Um, they both looked really good. The quality of them. But I need to watch again fully and then do one where I like uh, take notes about every, of everything and then give them uh, full attention. Maybe do like a full podcast on some of the newer VODs. But if you don't have both the Haitian videos, Haitian The Lost Tapes and Haitian Reincarnation, those are the best VODs. They're so good. Replay value, very high. Skating is amazing. The music is really fucking good in both of those. Like, amazing soundtracks. You could probably just have them on in the background and be enjoying the soundtracks. That's the mark of a good skate video. If you could, like, just be listening to the audio of it. I used to do that in um, high school with... I would tape the audio of skate videos like VG3 and 4. I would listen to to the audio of skate videos. That's how much of a nerd I was for skate videos. They were just, they were so much more exciting than all of, of all other forms of media. Movies were cool. CDs were exciting. Television and much music, Canada's version of MTV was great. But skate videos? seeing the streets of places and, and skate parks and uh, different personalities and styles to music you've never heard. Oh, it was so exciting. Still is. That's why I'm, pro- you know, I'm not, I'm, I still have the bug. It's too exciting. There's too many variables of my things that I'm into that just all mesh together perfectly with skating and skate videos that it's just it's still in me I remember listening to I, I'll, I'll sometimes make um, I'll, I'll go exercise and listen to an audio cut of a longer video like of some of the mushroom bladings I would go exercise and just listen to the audio and the way the music was sequenced and that part w- was so important to me and I, I got that from listening to those uh like old skate videos on tapes. I remember one time in English class, uh, the section um, with the Far Side song in VG3, there's like somebody does a line and there's um, police car sounds happening and they are blaring through my headphones and the teacher was like, what is, what is that? Where is that coming from? Skate video sounds, powerful thing. So uh, yeah, I'll give um, I'll do a VOD solo podcast, uh, but I want to talk quickly about um, that Jim Greco video. There's um, year I think it's year thirteen, maybe it's called, or thirteen years, maybe year thirteen. And he did another one I can't remember the name of it last year about um, kind of like capturing sobriety. And uh, this, yeah, the year 13 is his 13th year. I hope I'm getting that year right. But both of them like have themes of sobriety and that he's just, he's a dude pushing 40 
that is sober and just skateboards in Los Angeles. And he's really into John Cassavetes, who is, um, if you don't know, he is like a god to um, independent, not even independent, but like his style, John Cassavetes' style and his way of thinking has influenced so many other great directors. And it's not about copying what John Cassavetes does, but what he was able to do with, um, with movies. It's not even really movies what he did, but he captured like how Florida man, the movie Florida man stands on its own and it's not really a documentary. It's not really a movie. Florida man is like, those amazing interactions with street people that you would see in skate videos to me florida man is like what if there was just a whole like a whole 20 or however long it is like what if there was a whole movie that was just those interactions with people on the street but it was shot like a little bit nicer and the audio was a little bit better that's what florida man is so what cassavetes did is he like took his the most exciting parts about performance and capturing human emotion and just focused on doing that for his movies so here's this guy who's pushing 40 i guess he's still a pro skateboarder and i think he still gets paid and he's obsessed with john cassavetes and um probably listens to a lot of music like he made the cocteau cocktail twins or cocteau i don't know i'm a big fan of their music i don't know how to um say the name of the group cocktail twins cocktail twins the fact that he made their music work um sean cullen was good at this too he made their music work in a skate video which is absolutely insane like i love their music but there's some artists that you just you would never ever use and if you did you got to be damn sure that it's going to work and man when um cherry colored funk comes on and he's there's like the long cut of him skating down the hill and he hits that first spot and the first uh blast of sound from cherry colored funk comes on he's like man this guy knows what he's doing and he thinks a lot about skating and making these projects and the skating in the one from the year before is absolutely fucking crazy for somebody who is like pushing 40 and um I don't know there's something about his stuff mixing all what I said about his life experience and his obsession with John Cassavetes and his music taste and there was 16 millimeter and I'm gonna say it the man's got some damn fine pants I had a pair of um Levi's 527 for a long time um that were amazing and then i think they fit a little bit too weird later on in in life they were like slightly too tight around the waist but by the way haven't drank much after new year's um been eating really healthy down 10 pounds motherfucker you can do it you can do it too 
It's hard because beer tastes really good. Nachos are delicious. Sugar is great. But as you approach your mid-30s, you got to be careful with that shit. So I'm trying to shrink down and listen to me when I say this. You cannot be overweight and ride cuffless rims. Those skates will throw you around so hard if you're if you have too much weight <laughs> above your legs like on your waist even if you're like if you're five to seven pounds overweight those skates will absorb you like will absorb your landing and then just throw you if your weight's just a little bit off you have to be in good shape to use those skates so i'm down 10 pounds from 2016 all in preparation to ride um some cuffless rims i think skates with more support around the ankles like the k2s and the sebas you can have extra weight because you know they're not going to throw you like cuffless rims be very careful if you're overweight and skating cuffless rims and i'm not talking like like overweight i'm talking like if you're even just a little bit out like five to ten pounds you will fall so much harder in those skates you will fall harder in general but in cuffless rims i'm telling you you gotta be careful anyways um levi's 527 the man he rocks uh he rocks some very nice pants in in both of his films he, he has like a lot of the style that he has is is like the um well in british columbia there's like a lot of ranching history and um yeah he he looks like somebody that you see guys um like drinking coffee in a diner in rural areas around here like the the lee there's like there's like the polyester pants with a little bit of stretch that like ranchers wear and stuff hey 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 no quiet anyways you see those pants all the time at uh thrift stores and stuff they're awesome they have like the tiny little bit of flare at the bottom and they have a little bit of stretch they're like the official old man or, or rancher pants they're goddamn comfortable too if you've ever tried them but anyways he rocks them hard so um not only are his videos interesting artistically and the music that he chooses and everything, but the man has some good pants. He's got really good style too. The way he throws, he does this like 270, I don't know if it's a no slide or tail slide, and the way he throws into it, it, to it looks rollerblading-y. The way he like throws some of his tricks. Just don't tell him that though. Do not tell him that. He would not take it very well. And another funny thing is if he was wearing a helmet um, <laughs> in either of those films, it's amazing just how much less cool the, the films and he just, it, it, I, it's like this weird part of me that just knows I know a helmet is not cool and I'm still struggling wearing one. Hey. And it's just funny to think about like this serious art skateboard movie from this older sober dude in los angeles and then it's like you just add a helmet into that mix <laughs> and it's like man not as cool which is too bad maybe that'll change 
maybe we're the last generation like how in skiing it's just helmets are very normal whereas in the 90s it was like helmets were definitely not cool and now it's like there's there's activities where helmets are completely normalized and a lot of these ones it's like i think bmx and scootering does a better job with it and uh but (laughs) it's just it's uh yeah there's a lot of people that would just you know and i know that there's something about a helmet that is not cool but i'm not i don't really have anybody to impress and i don't really have a lot to lose so I still wear one, even if I, I know it doesn't look cool. I know, I know it doesn't. I know it doesn't. Deep down inside, I don't want to wear it, but I'm wearing it. You'd be surprised though, it's only within our circle of these activities where we think it's a big deal. And pretty much everyone else is, thinks it's a good idea. Like every, there's probably 24 people in my office and I don't think one of them would say, um yeah skating looks way cooler without a helmet i think that's just something we tell ourselves i don't know not that i'm I'm not trying to please the 24 people in my office i just want you to know that i'm still like i'm a real skater i skate without a helmet sometimes like you know um two more things here uh, one of the best videos I've seen in a long time, the bunch India cash. If you haven't watched it, it's incredible. I'm extremely jealous of the way they put that thing together. Um, it makes me want to travel and make a skate video very, very, very badly in a, in an unknown place. They captured that, that like, they captured the part of the, that unknown feeling of traveling and then blossoming into this beautiful thing of life and freedom. And it, I, I actually, uh, I may have shed a tear at the end when that, uh, that Enigma song drops. Man, just makes you thankful that you're alive. It's, a, it's amazing that a ski video can draw emotions out of me and make me feel thankful that I'm alive on this planet right now and that I can go do um, a creative activity with skates. Yeah, you got to watch it. You'll know what I'm talking about. Or maybe you think it's horrible. It's okay. And then if you haven't watched Be Inspired yet, imagine if Joe Nav and Petty and the crew or imagine if like Petty and well, okay, there's only two. So there's Henrik and Phil. Um, pick like two of your favorite FP people and imagine if they made like a 25 minute video of bangers filmed over two years. Um, it reminds me so much of an FP video and it's a ski video and the tricks and the style and it gets you hyped to wear some baggy shit and do some stylish shit. That's all I can say about that. That's because that's what Joe Navron videos do for me. Baggy pants, stylish tricks. Baggy shirts too, maybe. Um, lastly, what are we at? 
119. Um, there's a really popular style of video that young people are watching on YouTube. And since I'm an older fella, I guess, I was unaware of how popular this was. So there's that streaming service, Twitch, and then there's um, like those gaming channels where it's people are, they're in a screen and they're playing video games and they're commenting on what's happening. And the commentaries uh, where we have like the split screen and the skate videos playing and it's a, it's us talking about it. I can see that like with the way that maybe our phones and social media isolate us from human connection, I can see why things like podcasts and commentaries in these video game, like these live streaming things, why, why we connect with things like that. Um, before before we did the podcast and, and these commentaries, this is shit that we would do just normally for hanging out. Like blab on about everything related with skating and, and watch videos and talk about the video while it was on. Um, and it's like, it's cool to know that you can almost hang out with people that are having a conversation or that are into the same things as you are, but you're not, they're not forcing a point of view on you. And there's no agenda really that it's like, you're not there with them, but you're able to listen to the audio or watch them hang out and be a part of it. The only thing that you can't do is like, you can't, um, unless it was a live stream and, and you could answer questions. That's why the video game one is cool. Um, it's a way of people like you're not hanging out in person, but you're hanging out and it's not, um, it makes you feel less isolated. Like how, you know, looking at a Facebook post or, or an Instagram photo or something, it's still, you feel a bit separate, but, um, these other forms of, uh, of human beings, uh, sharing their reality tunnel for a longer period of time uncut. It's really cool. So I can see why people watching people play video games and commenting on the video games in real time uncut, why that is such a popular medium for younger people. They're like, an escape video is a similar thing. You're not in control of it like, like the video game, but you're experiencing a world with sounds and sights and you're commenting on that world in real time. There's something interesting about that. And it's pretty crazy how easy it is to, to do these things and upload them and um, for other people to find them. It's crazy. I sometimes feel that... Um, my mind hasn't caught up with just how far everything has come since like 2005, like 10, 11, 12 years ago, just how different things were for skating and for online. 
and for media. And um, I'm lucky that I chose video. I read a thing the other day that like 80% of the traffic on the web in 2020 or 2019 is going to be video. Insanity. I hope people still do human movement activities in real time by 2030 instead of just doing them virtually. But I'll tell you right now, virtual reality skating would be fun. I just hope you can be super creative. I hope that like Gu Miyagi is releasing sections in virtual reality. I don't think he, I don't know if he would though. I don't know if we would have that level of creativity and, um, there's so you got to keep the humanity in it. Is there going to be humanity in virtual reality? It's a bigger question for a completely different podcast. Definitely not a rollerblading podcast or maybe, um, so thank you for listening. If you made it this far, congratulations. Uh, and post, uh, what, uh, uh, what do you, um, if you've made it this far, post oblique strategies in the comments. 